What's the latest on sustainable aviation fuel? When will there be more of it, and when will you be able to use it in your aircraft? From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for the very latest business aviation news and information. And if you work in business aviation, odds are you've heard of SAF, Sustainable Aviation Fuel, or fuels derived at least in part from any number of renewable resources that have similar properties to conventional jet fuel, but with a smaller carbon footprint. For more than a decade, NBAA has been one of the strongest voices leading the movement toward industry adoption of SAF, and we've recently seen those efforts bear real fruit. One example is the new Blender's tax credit that went into effect this year to incentivize production of SAF and narrow the cost gap between it and conventional jet fuel. So where do we stand now between driving acceptance and interest in SAF and actually having it readily available? To answer that question, I'm pleased to welcome a high-powered panel today of industry experts and advocates. We'll begin with Dr. Lourdes Maurice, a sustainable aviation advisor who previously served as the executive director for the Office of Environment and Energy at the FAA. And you've been working in this area for a long time, Lourdes. Where are we at right now regarding widespread SAF production? and distribution. I've been working on SAF for quite some time. I was there at the initial phases in 2006 and have seen the starts and stops. But I really think that we are now moving from the early development and proof of concept phases into a growth phase. We're seeing more and more players coming into the ecosystem. And we're starting to see that exponential growth that we have seen in all kinds of renewable energies from electric vehicles to solar. So overall, I think we're in a great place. Well, I very much agree with Lourdes's assessment that the foundation is more than set for sustainable aviation fuel. Nancy Young is an environmental and sustainability policy and legal professional who formerly served as vice president of environmental affairs at Airlines for America. Long ago, we tackled the safety issue, the environmental integrity issue, and it really has been about commercialization. And that's where we are now in terms of really exponential commercial growth going forward. The milestones are are pretty significant. The demand has been there from business aviation, from commercial airlines, et cetera, for some time. And they have said, we want this fuel. I think most significantly, the near-term milestone that the U.S. industry has embraced is the Sustainable Aviation Fuel Grand Challenge announced in September of 2021. The entire business aviation commercial aviation, airline, airframe, manufacturer community is behind that goal. So if we could see 3 billion gallons of sustainable aviation fuel in the U.S., we would be well on our way to meeting the net zero targets across the business aviation industry and aviation more broadly. Just to put a little punctuation on that, in 2022, the sustainable aviation fuel available in the United States more than doubled. 300% increase from 2021. So if we can keep up that type of growth, we could get to that 3 billion gallons in 2030. 
My third guest today is Steve Zonka, Executive Director of the Commercial Aviation Alternative Fuels Initiative, or CAFI. Have we seen any effects on the market, Steve, from these recent initiatives? Those efforts clearly do lead to what would appear to be a brighter future for us. And if I look out in about the five-year time frame, I see us going from approximately 15 million gallons of SAF usage this past year to about 1.8 billion five years from now. And, and all of the things that are happening continue to, to drive that focus towards more production. We just have to be patient as they actually commercialize. More in a moment after this word from NBAA. NBAA Flight Plan listeners, your podcast is ready everywhere. You can download it from iTunes, ask your smart speaker to give you a listen, or hear it in any car with Apple's CarPlay. NBAA Flight Plan, available anytime, anywhere. We're back now with Steve Zonka, Dr. Lourdes Maurice, and Nancy Young, and our update on progress to make sustainable aviation fuels more widely available and attractive to business aviation operators. And Nancy, let's pick up right on that very question. When do you expect we'll see greater availability of SAF? We're definitely seeing the effect already. And it has been really a stepwise process to get to this point. So with the Inflation Reduction Act, SAF Blenders Tax Credit, you've got that added to the fact that the federal renewable fuel standard in the United States credits um, sustainable aviation fuel on an opt-in basis. You have the state of California, Oregon, and Washington state with those types of incentives as well, and more states on the way. I think picking up on what Lourdes said before, the demand is there. And when you combine that with these types of incentives, you're also reaching the investment capital industry that is beginning to increasingly support the efforts of the aviation industry, of those sustainable aviation fuel producers and others. So you combine these types of credits, there are grant programs out there, there are loan programs out there, And that's how we're going to continue to see this exponential growth. Right now, you you really only have two commercial sustainable aviation fuel producers, and they're both focused on fats, oils, and greases as their feedstock. This array of incentives helps bring the new technologies with different feedstocks to the market, and that is really what we need to scale up supply, because making sustainable aviation fuel is basically a combination of that technology, the availability and cost of that feedstock, and of course, making sure that that whole process is sustainable. The challenge of any new technology is that it's generally, when it comes into the market, it's more expensive than the technology it is replacing. So for SAF to get to the point where it's fully successful and we realize net zero, it's got to come pretty close to price parity with uh, what's replacing Jet A. I think that we're seeing the policies in the US, the European Union, with his refuel aviation and fit for 55 is also there. They are relying on a mandate. So if, if you would, more of a stick than a carrot, but there are complementary policies. When you see the capacity bill and the demand, that's part of driving a reality towards price parity. 
we have seen the fixed-based operators really engaging in the SAF market and in two critical ways, I think, both with their purchase of the fuel itself, but also enabling that book and claim process. And that's an opportunity, but it's also a bit of a challenge because we need the policy to help support the approach to book and claim. Each of these entities and the companies that buy fuel from them uh, are very keen to be able to make this fuel available. So Steve, we have the programs in place to drive SAF production, and we have ways operators can derive benefits from using SAF, even if it's not available at their next fuel stop. What else can we do as an industry to drive awareness and really excitement about these fuels? That's just a continuous process, and CAFI itself gets caught up in this uh, loop from time to time where we think, well, we've, we've done these things in the past and we've communicated on these specific elements, but what we find as we go through time is that people come in and out of the industry, and so we're constantly facing this issue of new people in the industry who haven't been exposed to what we've done for the last 15 years. So maintaining a steady pulse or rhythm of communications within the industry about what these fuels are, what they can do, is a large task that we all have to contribute in. And so, yes, the first thing that we can communicate is the greenhouse gas reduction. And I think it's it's kind of unique because business aviation operators understand, they, they see the pressure that comes from various NGOs and other organizations on the business aviation enterprise. So I think the majority of them are exposed to the pressure. That's the foundation. And what we can continue to communicate is our way to address that pressure is by talking about our ability to lower greenhouse gases with the use of these fuels. We also get that variation in some other aspects of the use of these fuels. So these fuels, these renewable or sustainable fuels, likely have zero sulfur in them the kind of sulfur that comes from using petroleum today in our jet fuel. And so when we use these SAF fuels and burn them, we're also burning cleaner. So there are less uh, sulfur oxides, less particulate matter, things that communities in the airport environment care about, air quality in the airport environment, it's also improved there. And then thirdly, when you look at what actually happens in the life cycle of the development of these fuels. There's some other good things that come along for the ride in terms of rural development, distributed creation and production of these fuels, which, which creates jobs, and some other environmental services that come along depending on the type of feedstock that you're using. So for instance, if you're using a winter cover oil seed, you're actually making farming more sustainable by having soil covered in periods where the soil is normally fallow or open and reducing water erosion, wind erosion, in some cases cutting down on the amount of pesticides or herbicides that might be needed in other crops, cutting down on nutrient leaching from crop soils, etc. So there are these full range of benefits associated with the use of these fuels. It's our task to figure out how to be comprehensive in our communication with the industry about why they might want to use SAF. 
one of the things that we have talked about over the years is, is there a way that we can pull together the interests of a bunch of business entities who purchase basically small amounts of fuel and aggregate that demand so that we can attract the commercial development of entirely new SAF refineries, just to continue to compound the number of producers who are out there who are willing to get into this space. So we're exploring those kinds of concepts with uh, NBAA and others to determine whether we can both communicate the, the interest, but also whether we can stimulate that interest into developing more commercial activity that sees these future gallons of SAF come directly to the business aviation enterprise. Nancy, what do you think we can be doing as an industry to promote use of SAF? Well, I think we're seeing a good synergy of the education that is out there with really the business aviation community. So the major corporations, the smaller businesses, really trying to fold environmental social governance principles and sustainability principles into their business. So I would give the example, you know, the Business Aviation Coalition for Sustainable Aviation Fuel, its purpose of all these business aviation associations and entities coming together has been to educate the community about the opportunities. They have really good resources, including a book and claim advertisement process, as well as a SAF guide. The Air Transport Action Group, of which business aviation is a part, has guides on sustainable aviation fuel. So I think it is really combining those kinds of outreaches with the fact and the interest that companies are putting into making sure that when they fly for business aviation, um, they have sustainability top of mind. I would add to that, that in the US, MBAA and its um, sustainability accreditation program has really done a lot to bring SAF to the forefront. It is part of the elements uh, that are looked at. And I think we have seen companies as a result of that exposure becoming more aware uh, and wanting to participate uh, in the SAF market. I would say uh, I've, um, I've started working on SAF on, in around 2006, but I have worked on alternative aviation fuels on on and off since the 80s. So uh, I think that there's still a slight element of what is it, is it different? Uh, and, and at the end of the day, you're creating the same kind of molecules, but in a sense, it's uh, when you look at SAF, it's also a cleaner fuel. So there's additional benefits, like for example, local air quality uh, benefits that, that you might realize. Uh, and you can also uh, find that, that perhaps by using SAF, you're creating contrails which are uh, contributed to uh, climate warming 
would be could could be reduced. So there's additional benefits aside from the okay, we get to net zero. And I think that that a combination of outreach, because not every operator is going to be familiar with, with the intricacies of fuel uh, chemistry, but really explaining that cycle in an easy to understand way and looking at all of the benefits that you can realize uh, it's good for business aviation, it's good for aviation in general. Yeah, I think one of the most significant things that the aviation industry decided way back in 2006 when we all get got involved with this is that safety is first. And so we work together as a community with the Federal Aviation Administration and the standards boards, the ASTM process, to make sure that there were processes in place so that when a sustainable aviation of fuel is approved, it is a drop-in fuel that is completely safe to be flown in an aircraft. And you would think at this point people would know that, but I think we still need to get that point across very broadly. It is a, a terrific fuel and there is every reason to use it in addition to all of the environmental benefits. Yeah, and if I could add a point, I think when we first set up the regulatory infrastructure uh, and having safety in mind foremost, we worked to get to a 50-50 plan. I think as the industry has grown, as we've gotten more comfortable with SAF, as we learn more, we really are in a position that we can move towards 100% SAF as you produce more, as the standard setting boards are taking a look at what the properties are, as manufacturers are focusing on designing new aircraft that take advantage of 100% SAF, I think that we have that opportunity to move beyond where we are and truly getting again towards that net zero that we all want to get to. Steve, that raises another question. When do you expect to see 100% SAF approved for and made available to our industry? And is that a regulatory question or are there technical issues to consider? It's not regulatory from the sense that a lot of people think about it. There's seven pathways that are approved. Five of those seven have 50% max blending limitations. And the reason for that is the technical attributes that you alluded to. When we produce these synthetic jet fuels from sources other than petroleum, depending on the conversion process, we actually don't get the full suite of molecules that you get from jet fuel that's produced at a refinery. And those molecules, not to bore everyone with the, the chemistry, but they're paraffins, iso and normal paraffins, cycloparaffins, and aromatic content. That's what jet fuel from petroleum is comprised of today. And some of these SAF conversion processes will only produce a subset of those molecules. So at the end of the day, if we use 100% SAF from the pathways that we have today, we need to be concerned that we're getting that full set of attributes in the jet fuel that the engine needs to maintain its certification basis. And what does that mean? That we need to guarantee that the engine acts exactly the same using SAF as it does using petroleum-based jet fuel. 
So we started off conservatively with these blending limitations, but we've been working on the pathway, as you alluded to, Rob, for how we get beyond these modest blending limitations to something where we can produce a fully synthetic jet fuel. We know intellectually how we can do that. And in fact, two of those seven pathways that I mentioned actually provide all of the chemical characteristics that we need in the fuel that will allow us to go up to 100% or fully synthetic fuels. And so that's the first step that we're working on right now within the aviation industry and collaborating with the petroleum industry in the ASTM deliberations about expanding the max blending limitation for a couple of production pathways. Secondly, there are some new production pathways that are coming online right now that produce some components that the current pathways don't. And then we can potentially go a step beyond that too to determine whether there are other ways that we can produce some synthetic fuels that stay within the envelope defined by the current jet fuel spec, but that can be done in different ways. Far into the future, we might find ourselves, who knows, relaxing the jet fuel spec um, to be able to enable the production of more and more types of synthetic fuels. But the thing that we're careful about and the way that we started this work back in 2006 was we knew that it was going to be important not to create a fuel that required it be separate, set aside, different, differentiated from the current jet fuel supply. We wanted these fuels to be drop-in so that we didn't have to change aircraft equipment, that we didn't have to redesign every airport fuel delivery system in the world or pipeline systems or anything else. So we're working through a series of approaches that allow us to continue to produce higher and higher volumes of synthetic production, or synthetic fuel molecules, but allow us to stay within the existing spec. But nonetheless, from a, from a philosophic and strategic perspective, we are working on our ability to produce a fully formulated synthetic jet fuel that delivers the maximum level of carbon reduction, utilizes a lot of sustainable feedstocks, utilizes some lower cost feedstocks, continue to work on bringing the price down and making SAF mainstream. Interesting. And it really seems that it won't be too much longer now before we see sustainable aviation fuels derived from many different sources, all available to significantly reduce emissions. That's a message that we really need to get out there, not only to our industry, but to the general public. Nancy, how do you think we can do that? Well, I think part of it is working with the associations like NBAA, which has been doing a good job to get the word out there. But really reaching into the membership, the businesses, small and large, that do have these flight departments, they are, with their own sustainability goals, able to get the message out there. And I think those businesses power the economy, they power communities and the like, so they can reach into the community and the public and get the word out there about the opportunity and importance of sustainable aviation fuel. I think it's also important that 
business aviation is partnered with um, commercial aviation, even though sometimes people view them as competitors, everybody's working together on sustainable aviation fuel. And I, I'm, I'm very proud that business aviation and commercial aviation, which is the side I came from originally, really have locked arms on this. Lourdes, what are your thoughts? So many of the companies that have flight departments, the MBAA members are really at the forefront of sustainability. Uh, for many of them, net zero is not 2030, it's not 2040 or 2050, it is today. And they are using SAF in pretty significant quantities. So I think that is a message that business aviation needs to get there. And then also take a look at just the dynamics of business aviation. You've got uh, the technology that's coming in, the refreshment of aircraft, bringing new aircraft into the fleet tends to be quicker. So I think business aviation, despite uh, the narrative that's out there, uh, it's really leading the way and making a huge difference in, in the industry. It's also important to note that SAF is just one part of the global aviation industry's commitment to sustainability. Yeah, I mean, I would say we, we have obviously been talking about SAF. I think that there's other technologies that are coming uh, into the ecosystem, hydrogen, uh, electric aircraft, that business aviation is really well poised to adapt as well. And I think we need to remember that it's not an either or, that you need uh, a basket of solutions that includes SAF, that includes hydrogen, that includes electric. And I can't think of an industry uh, that is better poised to be an early adopter uh, and a way of demonstrating the viability of these technologies than business aviation. I think business aviation uh, should and is taking the lead in adopting an array of new technologies. I'm really happy to partner with business aviation because I think it is the leader in getting to net zero. To keep up on the latest news about SAF and other measures to increase environmental sustainability across business aviation, visit nbaa.org forward slash environment. And also be sure to check out CAFI, that's C-A-A-F-I dot org, for updates from the Commercial Aviation Alternative Fuels Initiative and their work to drive adoption of SAF. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking your virtual assistant or connected device. Of course, you can also download Flight Plan directly from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. Uh, we got him inside. We're slowing back to 170.